0: Hey, everybody, welcome to Social Beauty Makers, the podcast where every Sunday and Wednesday we will bring you fast paced, powerful 15 minute episodes meant to inform, educate and inspire around a variety of topics, including trends and all things tech for the professional beauty industry. Today, I'm here to talk Instagram and the radically changing landscape and, and some big ideas that I hope all will consider. I'm Gordon Miller, your podcast host. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get started. And before I get started a really fast rant so i'm listening to podcasts this morning and i i've uh, just a previous episode i don't have the number in front of me um, but it's called f uh, fake beauty news and it was in response to a a, a, another podcast out there that um, did a podcast uh, that was called f retail and i was horrified Uh, what i heard was just wasn't based on fact it wasn't based on data um, it, it was based on bad math and, and I think just a misunderstanding of how retail works. And it just worries me that people will take this to heart and, and do something with it. And, and so um, I, I'm listening this morning while I'm walking Cody, my, my, uh, my rescue girl, and um, oh I kind of ruined my walk. I, I listened to a podcast that was called Destroy the License. And it was, you know, same folks. And it was their take on licensure. And, and it's a conflicted topic there's all kinds of challenges that come with it, you know, bureaucracy amongst them. Um, But there's also so many misunderstandings about it and the history. I think generally the industry is like, you know, um, oh, the government's doing this to us and could do a whole podcast on this, but, but we have to also remember or know um, that the industry itself created licensure and, um, and for a reason, but everybody should understand that when we get frustrated with the government and as somebody who worked with the government in my role as executive director of NCA for many years, um, I, I learned then that the government really looks to us as to what is best for this industry. It's not always, it's not always easy to change what is, but, but we have more power in it than we sometimes realize. And, and this rant of, of theirs about de licensure, you know, and, and I think, you know, they offered, you know, some conflict in their thoughts on it, but they leaned heavily, 80, 90% towards let's, let's get rid of, of the license. And it would be a good thing that income would go up for many because the market would be flooded. That's my word um, with unlicensed people. But they said it would bring a whole lot more people into the industry, an industry that is already overpopulated, if you will. Um, and and um, we'll bring more people in. And what will that do? That will increase prices for many because the distinction between bad work and good work, you know, will will just drive um, the income up for so many. Oh boy, uh, so. Supply and demand, let's just start there. You increase the supply of hairdressers um, relative wow. to a constant demand. The demand's not going to change. People want to get a haircut or get, get their haircut. So demand will stay the same. Supply will go up and prices more than likely across the board, theoretically, you know, will fall. Um, but there's so much more to that, you know, just again all kinds of you know conflicted feelings sometimes about licensing for me it begins with you know why do we have this variety of hours all across the country why can't we come at this stage in the life cycle of the professional salon industry why can't we come to a a determination of what makes sense you know for licensure and and we're seeing a shift you know uh california and texas have both got both gone down to a thousand hours i've long argued that if we would take the nail and skin components out of uh, the license for someone who wants to be a hairdresser that would be a really positive mood it would shorten courses up a little bit or give more time for things that are important depending on you know, who's writing that legislation so that was number one this whole supply demand thing there's a whole lot more to it but the other kind of big issue that just like kind of surprised me was about the history of the license uh, from one perspective And that is that the license was um originally created to uh, block people of of color from coming into the industry and i'm not going to do the whole history thing but it's documented and how it came about in the early 1920s there were 13 states involved and it was a department store um, the chains now i would say kind of tangential to this that racism in america i've always said this on the podcast i think it's horrific i think we have a serious problem i think it continues today and it started You know when we landed on these shores and so many many hundreds of years ago and certainly in the early 1900s i would say i think with confidence that racism was a very very serious problem having said that i think it's tough to make an argument that that is why licensing was created um and and the records you know indicate that it was created to keep people from coming into the industry that's for sure um i would take a guess that um Race was a block to many, many types of jobs in all kinds of industries and businesses in the industry. And it, it didn't require a license at a time when racism was just so normal and, that, and horrible things were happening in terms of discrimination. I don't think it needed to go to all the machinations of, of creating a regulatory process to license people um, because you just, back then, it was okay not to hire certain people. Um, as a gay person I, I would say uh i'm in that group as well you know back then so you know many people you know suffered uh, discrimination um none um worse than um america's treatment of african-american people um so but the tie that to licensure is i'm like guys come on i can go on and on i don't know if i recommend you go listen to this podcast i, I hate to send traffic that way but it's uh it's it's a bit of a uh, it was shocking okay <laughs> we'll move on to my topic um Apologies for that, but it's just so fresh in my mind. Um, so Instagram, it is an essential tool for salons. Um, it has its ups and downs and I think big picture, it's peaked a few years ago, but it remains a really important tool for professionals, for salons generally, because customers are looking on Instagram for certain types of, of information, um, including information about salons and stylists and, and looking to um, maybe find somebody new go- to go to, whether they're unhappy with where they're at or maybe they've moved and all those things so instagram you know it it really matters and i i can't say that enough because again we all kind of go out go go check things i look for restaurants on there if i'm traveling you know i look at hotels on there um it's it's valuable to consumers and so i think that's important to understand and also if you're a salon owner you look to hire uh if you're have rental you know chairs in uh, your organization Um, Same type of thing. I I know a lot of salon owners, including rental, you know, who, when someone's coming in for an interview or coming in to, you know, uh, talk about getting a lease, that they often will go and look at the profile and get a sense of what kind of work does that person do, especially as they're hiring. Um, And just kind of what kind of person are they generally and where are they coming from? And it's just common today. I I know people that do it on dates, you know, blind dates or people are setting them up. So, so I think, you know, that's important to understand. And I, and I also will say that those who are going to rent or going to apply for a job, it's really common for them to also go to Instagram and take a look at that salon and, and get a thought about it. It's kind of a shortcut to making some decisions for many. And um, the thing that sometimes makes me sad about that is if the, the creator of the Instagram page, whether it's the salon or for an individual you know, who's in the industry, who's being viewed by you know, someone connected to them. In other words, uh, someone who might be hired who can take that business to another level. Um, somebody who wants to go to work in a salon, but perhaps chooses not to even go visit it because of what they see on Instagram, and maybe it doesn't really reflect what the salon is, or really truly reflect the skills and ability of a professional. And so that takes me to the big idea that today, even though Instagram is on the down, um, and, and I would say Facebook is, is a little bit up, um, that um, these things matter. And I think that, you know, Instagram, if I was going to, my best advice to any professional who's using it to market themselves, that you really should look at it as your portfolio um, and, and also your lookbook. So your portfolio, especially if you're a young person coming into the industry, it's so easy to do. And, and you could also use it as a quasi resume. I mean, there's lots of uh, opportunity to kind of tell people about who you are. And if your focus is to come into the industry, get a job, then that's what you should focus your Instagram page on. And there's lots of You know in the weeds kind of tactics you know that should should be considered um but that's for another talk so again think of it as a portfolio because whoever you're interviewing with they're going to go look at it and you can send them a resume you can send them a portfolio talk to so many salon owners they don't even click on these things and they'll say to me it's like i don't believe the work necessarily and instagram feels more real it's just the way that most people use it now you've got your art artists you know who are traveling and educating and on stages their, their feeds are a little bit different because they're doing a different type of work. But everyday salon work um, that is in the majority of, of profiles that I look at is closer to the kind of, of, of insights, if you will, that, that um, a salon owner who's hiring might be looking for. And again, if, if um, you are promoting your salon and thinking also about perhaps a, a new person who might want to come rent or might want to you know, uh, come to work in your salon, you, again, they're going to be looking. And in both cases, you want to put your best foot forward. I, I always use the metaphor, you know, think of, of Instagram as an opportunity to show who you really are as a professional, who you really are as a salon. And, and you know, think about it again, the reactions to every bit of it. You know, I often see pictures that, you know, maybe it's a little messy, you know, and, and that's real. And we, we want to be real to a point is again, it's professional. And so I think there's a lot of things to consider. I like to t- step back and, and look at, the entire grid on your profile because that's what people are looking at if they're not already following you they're coming to look at all of it and you kind of do a three-finger scroll and we make a judgment will we follow will we not will we want to go um perhaps follow up with an appointment or not will we um want to call for that job interview or or to find out about that chair or not and all of those things could be influenced by the short amount of information in your profile or long because you you can certainly put a lot there Um, And, and, and again, the imagery um, that is going to have um, hopefully, you know, the right kind of effect um, on that person viewing and that they want to move forward, you know, move forward with, with an appointment or or more. Um, So really, really important to say, And I think, you know, you kind of have to break down the anatomy of a page, you know, in a sense, what are the parts and pieces? And so, you know, again, you've got your profile information. You know, We're going to put your information about yourself. I can't tell you how often I look at salons. I was looking for a salon today. Somebody mentioned that they were going to be appearing in a salon um, in in a different state than where I live. And so I was like, oh, that's fascinating. I'm going to find that salon. Went through the search um, process on Instagram, found several with that name. And I never figured out which salon it was that that person was going to because... Three, exactly with the same name, different parts of the country, unrelated from what I can tell in the profile, but none of them said where they were, like none of them, none of them. I couldn't tell what city they were in. And that's just kind of basic stuff. You want to always put what, where your city is. You want to make sure you name things properly. Um, yeah, you, that profile matters. You know, then you've got your highlights, you know, where you can create story-like content, you know, that explains more about who you are, or perhaps is focused on something that has happened or, you know, or, or, or. Um, but that's where you can kind of permanently do storytelling that lives under your profile. It can be really, really impactful. You can take a series of the photos that are in your feed and put them together and, and add copy. And, and again, tell a story about what matters to you as a person, as a professional, as a business. Again, all really good stuff to, to consider. And then uh, again, you've got to figure out you know what's your why. I, I know that's kind of a cliche at this point, but what's your why? You know, Why are you on Instagram and what are your, are your primary goals? And then Really think about that as you look at that grid that hopefully you've already created. And I would not be afraid to delete things. You know, I'm big on, okay, the holidays happened. I did a post. It, it did well. It did okay. Whatever. Um, the holidays are over. I can, I can archive that not delete, but archive that in my, um, on my Instagram page, get it out of my um, grid and to make my grid more visually interesting, you know, as a grid. And so once things, you know, kind of have moved on, you know, um, I would never hesitate based on how the grid looks or um, how it has how certain posts have performed. Not all about performance, but it could have an influence. Um, how, again, everything kind of fits together and, 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 and does it fit your bigger why? So never be afraid to, to archive things. Um, also, never be afraid to repost. Like, I, I'm a huge proponent of taking things that performed well and putting them back again. You can create a really interesting, you know, first twenty-four, you know, the thirty photos by just resharing a lot of stuff. Because I can tell you, no matter what happens, when you do share on Instagram, ninety percent of the people who are following you um, are never going to see it. Even if you reach a lot of non-followers, again, it's only a small, very, very tiny proportion of all non-followers who are perhaps in your geographic area. So. You're never reaching that many people anymore, and so feel free to use that work again. I do it all the time. It's it's a great way to kind of beef up your content, you know, approach. You know, not having to find always new content. There's so many good examples of of how you can just repurpose content, save time, um, and also drive your numbers up because what perform well um to one audience, you know, the first time you post it will probably perform well and probably reach you know a very different audience. So I, I think that's really really important to say. I'm going to dig into this further in another podcast as well as go back to that licensing topic because i'm going to be pondering that for the next few days and figure out how i can and share more um i think just to give a, a better sense of the history of licensing and what it is today and, and some of the contextual things i think will help give it um a better understanding you know they also mentioned that there's lots of countries where they don't license and they do great over there uh, again it lacks so much context so much context um yeah Uh, including i'll I'll use a really simple one um you you have a lot of countries in europe that don't have licensure um they have other standards they also have training systems and and support of people who are coming into industry that's very very much unlike what we have here that support structure is is not as in-depth in america as, as i wish it would be so anyway more coming on all that um oh boy um i have run out of time and so I want to thank you for listening. I, I want to say if you like what you heard, I encourage you to visit me over at socialbeautymakers.com. Sign up for my free newsletter. More content, early access to the podcast won't spam you. Um, and, and I hope you'll do that. Uh, if, if you like the podcast, I also hope that you'll um, add a rating, a review, a subscribe. Uh, best yet, share. All those things help others to find the podcast. Pay it forward a little bit. I thank you for that. Once again, thank you so very much for tuning in. It is appreciated. I'm Gordon Miller. I cannot wait to share more with you again next time.